0: Are you ready for the Unleashed Tour, where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment? Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, Shameless Sex Style, Ever heard of the Slurpee
1: stick shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some dirty talk improv or brat taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. Engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year.
0: Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Whether you're male-deprived or polysaturated, I'm Billy Persida here to welcome you to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone. How you doing? Welcome to the show if you're new and, well, welcome back if you're not. Uh, I am your host, comedian Billy Persida. If you're new to the show, typically, I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, gender, butt stuff, orgies, and love. However, this week's uh, guest is not one of my former flames. It's a very special guest. I've got on author and surprise dating expert, John Berger. I've been talking about his book, uh, Datanomics, on this podcast for years now. So, very excited to share him with you all in a bit. But first, got some show dates, okay? Show dates. March 9th, I am in Astoria, Queens at QED for the 9 o'clock show. We're going to be talking all about stripping. Then March 13th, I will be at Freddy's Bar in Brooklyn. And March 21st, I'll also be in Brooklyn at Looking Glass. For more information on those show dates and others, head on over to manhorpodcom slash comedy. While you're over on the internet, tapping away at stuff, take a moment to leave a rating and review for the Man Whore podcast on iTunes. It's a huge help for me. Helps bump me up the rankings, and if if anything, it lets browsers know, oh, this is a show worth listening to. But of all the things that I ask you all to do from time to time, the most important thing, the best gift you can give me, is a referral to your friends. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy what I'm doing, please share the show with your friends. Tell them in conversation. Talk about it. Share the link manhorpod.com on social media. Word of mouth is the number one way people discover new podcasts. So if there's anything that you're going to do, please tell a friend about the show. Help get them subscribed. I want to jump right into emails. Uh, I got an an interesting email from my boss. As many of you probably know, I host speed dating events here in New York City as one of my side gigs. I I I do events through OnSpeedDating.com. And my boss forwards me an email. And I'm sorry to but I'm gonna butcher your name, hon. Uh it's either Silvios or Silviosi or Silvasi. I'm sorry. Um it says, Hi, please bring a black African princess speed dating event to Los Angeles. I will recruit all of my friends to go. I listen to the Man Whore podcast. And my heart nearly skipped a beat when Billy announced he would be hosting a Black African princess event only to find out it's in New York City next Wednesday and not L.A. Thank you. Followed by a a praying hands emoji. OnSpeedDating.com does run events in Los Angeles as well as New York City and Austin, Texas. They have pretty much every conceivable theme. And you can get $5 off your ticket if you use the promo code BILLY5 at onspeeddating.com. Tonight even I'm going to be hosting uh, March 1st. I'm uh, doing a older women, younger men event. So it's women over 33, men under 32 and as I many of you probably are guessing, yes, I specifically requested this assignment. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I got another email. Last week I mentioned that I, you know, there's one person listening to this show on the Isle of Man which is a very, very tiny country in the United Kingdom. I don't know if you call it a country, whatever. Anyways, it's like Scotland. If Scotland's a country, then the Isle of Man is a country, right? I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I get an email just days later. says, hello from Kuwait. Ooh, I was excited. Okay, it says, hi, Billy. I just want to tell you I enjoy the podcast. I'm an American living and working in Kuwait and I listen on Spotify. I appreciate the sex-positive message and humor. Kuwait is very conservative, it's very sex-negative, and there's no alcohol allowed, so I appreciate the message the podcast sends. Alcohol is illegal, but easy to find, but super expensive. It's about $300 for a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. And there are definitely no sex parties around as far as I've been able to tell, and trust me, I've looked. Lots of websites are blocked out here, but Kuwait... (laughs) Hasn't realized what a deviant you are yet, which I'm surprised because, like, the word whore is in the URL, but okay. I then uh, he pledged on Patreon an amount that would qualify him for the man whore podcast condoms. But first I shot him an email to be like, dude, like, is that even legal? Like, can I mail you condoms or are they just going to get confiscated? So he says, it isn't against the law, but the mail service here is so awful I'd never receive them. Interestingly, it is illegal to bring sex toys into the country. Uh, so, so thank you, Scott, for, for showing me an email. I love hearing from these. I want to, I want to hear more from these like smaller countries where I get very few downloads, you know, where it means that maybe a couple people at most are listening. I would love to just know who, like who in Jamaica listens to my podcast. You know, that's why I want to know. So if you live in a Jamaica or you live in a Jamaica sized place, Shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. And anyone, you don't have to live in Jamaica. I just like hearing from my listeners, okay? Hit me up. You can uh, ask me questions. Give me your comments. Send me your titty pictures. Whatever's clever. Just send them on over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. I'm excited to announce this. This is new. This is something I'm going to be doing or I, I would like to be doing for as long as people are interested in it, I will keep offering it. The last Wednesday of every month, I'm going to do a face uh, a Facebook Live hangout. Look, just put this in your iCal right now. Put this in your Google Calendar. Put it on a post it. Wednesday, March 29th, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Going to do a man whore live hangout. Myself and schedules pending. My lovely girlfriend Paige are going to sit down and chat with who, whatever listeners. Want to chat with us? Whoever wants to hang out with us, we're going to do it for about an hour. I'll answer questions. We'll just chit-chat about stuff, okay? It'll be fun. And I will give more details on how to participate in that in the coming weeks. But for now, uh, March 29th, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Set an alarm. I'm doing well uh, off my trip to Philly. I reconnected with some people I haven't seen in many years. It was very cool. I also got to talk to uh, Dr. Timory Schmidt. She is the host of "Sex with Timory," is a, a great podcast. I was on that podcast. You should all go check it out. I reconnected with Kat, who's, you know, she dates back to episode 19. Got to see what's going on with her these days. And then, you know, like, I talked to a woman I haven't seen since I was 21 years old, and I mean woman like woman. I was 21, she was 38. If you can do math, that means she's presently 45 years old. And she looks great uh and we we've, we've talked over the years, you know, we've kept in touch very well all things considered. You know, considering she's a married woman of three children. And you know, but this is the first time we'd seen each other in person since, you know, since that summer. And, you know, she's very important in my life and in how I came to um, think about myself and feel about the way I love and the way I fuck and and whatnot. She used to swing with her husband, which, you know, right now that sounds like so blasé, like whatever. But when I was 21 and had these thoughts, like I knew the word polyamory, I knew non-monogamy, Probably was going to be for me, but like I never read about it. I I didn't really know anything. I certainly hadn't met anyone who had done that. So she was the first one, and she's like normal looking and attractive, and like her life's doing well. So she was the first person to make me feel not strange and not weird and and normal. And I mean, I'll I'll, I'll talk more about it when that episode comes out. But it, you know is. It was amazing reconnecting with her, and uh, it made me, it's still, it's making me smile right now. I'm, yeah, I'm very smitten with Jen in a way, and I think it's really amazing the opportunities I get doing this podcast, and I'm kind of grateful to have this really weird fucking bizarre excuse to call people years later, be like, hey, can we like, <laughs> you want to talk about it? You know, again, sometimes it's whatever because it's someone I hooked up with once and that was it. And we never talked again. Kat is certainly one of those people. You know, we, it was one meh night and that was it. And even Jen, it was only two nights where we had gotten together, but we've kept in touch over the years. So someone, someone like that, it's, um, it's a really special thing to get to re examine and see what that was all about and see why it never went forward. Like I definitely got, A little bit of closure, because it's not just that she's married, because she's technically allowed to fuck other people. But there was a particular reason I found out on my trip to Philadelphia why I specifically was kind of vetoed. And I'm I'm very excited for when I release that episode, and you can all kind of discover that with me. So thank you for that, and and the only reason I can afford, I was able to go to Philadelphia for a couple days during, like on a week, on a Wednesday and a Thursday, was because I got to quit my day job, and I don't get to quit my day job because I've got you listeners. After almost three years of podcasting, are supporting me in my efforts to be a full time comedian and full time podcaster because that's really where things are looking now, and a huge part of that is the Patreon page. Yes, that means I'm going to talk about Patreon. I am allowed in my intro about once a year to talk about the Patreon, and I'm only bringing it up because uh, I've revamped it. I've retooled it. Uh, things have been edited a little bit. There are some new rewards, some consolidated rewards, some rewards that are now long gone, and I want to update y'all. So first off, what is Patreon? Patreon's kind of like a fan club subscription meets Kickstarter, so you pledge a certain amount of money per month, depending on how much you pledge, determines like which rewards you get. The more you pledge, the more rewards you get. It's a great, fantastic way to support independent content creators that you enjoy, especially ones like me who are, for the most part, delivering free content every single week. This is episode 151. I have not missed a single week. In 151 weeks for free and so the it just means the world to me that so many of you dozens and dozens of fan whores are pledging their support some for as little as a dollar per month and a dollar per month is not little because if every single one of you were pledging just one dollar per month I wouldn't have to host speed dating events for money I still would I would meet I would do it so I can meet older women uh but <laughs> But it means i wouldn't I wouldn't have to. It means I can just commit my time to creating funny sex positive content, videos, podcasts, stand up live shows and uh, but now enough about me. Let's get to our guest this week, John Berger. John Berger wrote a book, the book is called Datanomics. It came out a few years ago. His book is about imbalanced gender ratios in cities and how that explains why your fabulous, beautiful friend Rebecca is still single in New York City. His, uh, his excuse is, ladies, it's not you, it's the ratio. This leads us to uh, discuss everything from uh, divorce rates to online dating to Trump supporters to mixed-collar dating. I don't know if that's a, co- a term he coined or, or if that's from elsewhere, but it's, it's brilliant. And so I'm going to spoil the book for you. He suggests that college educated women should be open minded to dating non-college educated men simply because the the gender ratios in most in so many cities do not have enough college educated men for you. And how also that non-college educated guy might be a total catch that you're filtering out through your online dating profile preferences. Love this episode uh I love slash hate his book, but it's a great read that you should all read. Datanomics, but for now, listen to me chit chatting about dating with uh, maybe the 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 least likeliest dating expert, John Berger. One of the notes I wrote in the book was uh, just say the thing, like you were talking about. Uh, oh, com- oh,
1: about coming on the face. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> my, my, um, you know, I, I, do, you know, it's funny. I went back and forth with my editor on that like four times. So initially she was like, yeah, let's just say it. And then, like, in in the very last run, last edit, she's like, you know, on page eight, I don't know if we should have coming on, on a face. Page on pa- eight is a little early yeah. for coming on the face. That's really more of like an
0: epilogue type it's of thing. It's more of like page 100. I thought.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah. No, that, that was, um, Yeah, we went back and forth on that one a lot. (laughs) Do you just like have all these stats just like stored in your head forever now? I I have a lot of them. Sometimes I I don't remember the exact stat, but you know you know maybe it's 68 percent, but i'll say 70 percent. like i like i know approximately what these numbers are so right. um i i've realized that nobody actually cares if i'm off by one percent yeah point. you can make them up
0: i'll believe well, i mean you. i mean i'm not making <laughs> them
1: up but like i'm I, I will say with certainty that something is 70 percent, and it could be 69 sure. percent. but i assume it's just this is
0: a post-truth you know country now so <laughs> we'll, we won't fact check anything I, you can say whatever you want I, and I, get elected I, I,
1: I'm, you know i i believe that that um Generally accurate is, is sufficient.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you, you're more than generally accurate and I had, uh, I didn't want it to be accurate because like there are points you
1: make in the book. Are we, are we going or yeah, we're going. Okay.
0: I, I was going to say, so we're, we're, we're here with, uh, with John Berger. Uh, it's burger, burger, sorry. G, like the food, Hardy. Sorry. John Berger, uh, author of data nomics, which I believe I, uh, I know you don't like the title, uh,
1: well, I mean, you know, my my wasn't ag- it your first choice. It, my agent came up with it. Maybe if I had come up with it, I would have liked it better. But no, it was not my first choice. I, <laughs> I just saw the look
0: on your face when I said it. And I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to call it. It's not you. It's the ratio.
0: That's closer. I, I like the the phrase that you say. It's not that. Um, it's not that he's just not into you. It's that there's not enough of him. I, I was think, like, that. I
1: think that's kind of a mouthful though for a book title. Yeah, but they, but it's a good T-shirt. It could be, yeah. It could be a T-shirt, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I believe I've talked about this show last year when I was reading the book. It's, you uh, know, subtitles, how dating became a lopsided numbers game, and uh, I, I had, I remember I first email you. I'm like, oh man, I've got feelings about this, and you, th- they were not positive feelings. They're not all positive. Uh, I could tell. Look, and from like listening to you on other podcasts and meeting you, and, and I can, and then also when you get further into the book, it's. Like, I can tell you're not super into the gender norm stuff, but I felt like the book read that way, you know? Yeah,
1: you and the New York Times felt that way. Me and the New York Times. <laughs> um,
0: so in, in knowing you, and then again, to, if you finish the book, you realize, oh, he doesn't believe these things. It's just I, I don't think it was like as clear because the entire time, like, you're talking about marriage material, and I keep writing in the margins, I'm like, a college degree doesn't equal marriage material. Right. Personality, sense of humor in my case, I have to rely on Right. It. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, like, one of the things I hear is, what, like, why... Um, People will say, oh, well, the book is kind of heteronormative. And I'm like, well, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're right. It is. Um, and I say this in the book, but I don't know how many times I have to say it. <laughs> the, the, the book is fundamentally about gender ratios. And this may be stating the obvious and maybe it's not, but. Um, gay men do not care how many or how few women there are. Just as <laughs> lesbian women do not care how many or how few men there are. So fundamentally, gender ratios do not affect same-sex dating. and, right. I, and, and I, that's I, a different book. Right, it's a different book. So, you know, it's just, the, I mean, it's not that I'm disinterested in same-sex dating. It just, you know, it, it's not affected by gender ratios.
0: That was the one thing I didn't take beef on, because I I thought you were clear about it. Uh, what, I think it was a paragraph or a chapter where you yeah. know, you. You made that clear. I was right. aware. Yeah, I was on board. Uh
1: but you make, you know, the want you to tell people summarize what the book is about. So the 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 the, the book aims to answer a, a, a common question, particularly in cities so like New York, and that is, why is it that dating seems to be so much harder for women mm. than it is for men? And if you walk into Barnes & Noble, you know, it's um, it's hard not to come across or come, come away with the idea that women must suck at dating and men must be really good at it. Because if you go to the relationship aisle, there's maybe like 30 dating books for women and maybe two for men. And those books for men are really about pickup artistry and right. things like that. So, so, it, you know, the, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to get at the question about well, why is it that, that all my incredible female friends struggle with being single and all my guy friends are either married or in long-term relationships. And then the answer I get around to is that it's not about, it's not a strategic problem that, you know, it's not that women are returning his text message 20 minutes too soon Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, this is a demographic problem. And for the, for the past 15 years in the U S we've had four women graduate from college for every three men. And so, so this four to three ratio among college grads, obviously, it wouldn't matter if we were more open minded about whom we date and eventually marry. But at the same time, there's been this increase in what academics like to call assortative mating, which is a fancy way of saying that college grads increasingly only want to date and marry other college grads.
0: Right. And I think and that's how, and be, it's spoiler alert. That's at the end of the book. And then once I get there, I'm like, oh, OK, OK. Um, and that's a great point. Now, what's like the gender ratio? in the country is like pretty even though no yeah yeah
1: no no this is not china uh you know or india where you have kind of an artificial imbalance in the sex ratio created by sex selection or abortion or in the case of those two countries female infanticide. i mean overall there are equal numbers of men and women um but because of assortative mating, we kind of have two different dating markets. We have a white-collar dating market and a blue-collar dating market. And in the white-collar dating market, there are too many women. And in the blue-collar dating market, there are too many men. But do you Uh, think that's a
0: generational thing? Because I feel like my generation, the young assholes who don't want to work and and want (laughs) free college, (laughs) Um, I think we value those things a little less. I remember seeing stud reading like um a piece on a study years ago and uh, i'll go find it because i don't remember exactly i think people should fact check but it was that like the generation like uh dating in the 80s one of the main things that they looked for was like financial stability but now like my generation values more like sense of humor
1: well i i mean i'm not i'm not saying that that people are you have a checklist and they're putting mm-hmm. that on, on the top of their checklist but i think it's it's Via the circumstances we live in, we end up dating people who come from similar backgrounds. So, I mean, I mean how old are you, Billy? 27. Uh, how many women have you dated who uh, didn't spend a day in college? but in this, you know, but not, I'm not, not talking about right, high right, school, right, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> not when you were 16.
0: Not, not as many. I don't, I don't yeah. come across them Right. As and it's not necessarily. I've also been in New York this entire time.
1: Right. But it's, it's not that you're necessarily choosing that, but this is the circle of friends you, you circulate in. Right. And, um, you know, there, we just live in kind of a world that's, um, both in terms of geography and professionally, we tend to, to, um, co with people with similar kinds of backgrounds um and i think that explains a lot of this this increase in assortative mating
0: okay i mean and then the book has gotten pretty like pretty popular you've been like torn around as like this like dating expert guy yeah, but like it's, your background it's, yeah
1: it's, yeah i'm the um the least likely person to be a dating expert Your your background is in what well, Normally, I write about really boring shit like <laughs> like oil and gas and the stock market for, for, for Fortune magazine. And then you
0: crunch some census data, and now you are like this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, I mean, the backstory of the book is kind of yeah. what I was saying before that that particularly at the you know the editorial staff at, at Fortune is more women than men, mm-hmm. and I couldn't help but notice that all the guys were married like me or at least in you know like headed in that direction, and the women who were all like spectacularly good looking and had everything going for them, and certainly better dressed than we were. Um, You know, they were all single, and they weren't just single. They like they they had these dating stories and dating histories that like made no sense to me as a middle aged married guy. I mean, they, uh, guys who just mistreated them or never called them back. Um, Some of them claimed to never ever get asked out on dates at all. In fact, there was a. Not long after I began working on the book, I had lunch with my friend Elise, who I actually went to college with, and sometimes I describe her, even to her face, as the most attractive person of either gender I'm (laughs) friends with. And and, and we were talking about the book, and she said, you know, I haven't been asked out on a date in six months. And if I showed you a picture of her, you would find this hard to believe, Um, but... If she's super attractive, I'd believe it, because we're all a bunch of scared uh, wusses who won't... uh, make a move maybe but i had heard enough stories like this that kind of knew that there was something going on beyond just my circle of friends you know i
0: believe it i bet you it's not that she hasn't been asked out on a date she hasn't been asked out on a date by someone she wants to go
1: on a date with no no, no it wasn't even not, that you know like she she's a sweetheart she's not one of those like okay. um, those yeah no elitist not, no no <laughs> she's, she's like one of the nicest people i know
0: okay well and you well, where'd you meet your wife uh in college in college okay so then okay yeah
1: so yeah i mean people ask me well you know like did this influence your own personal life and i like i got married when i was 25 and like i wasn't thinking about any of this shit when i was at that age it was only kind of like my wife and i when we were younger we used to try to play matchmaker with some of our single friends and i think after we hit 30 like i didn't know any single guys anymore right but we knew all these women and I, i didn't understand why and always in new york or yeah, in Philadelphia, we live in, in, in Philly, Philly for yeah. a bit as well. But yeah,
0: well, where are better. The better cities you say are out west, right? You say go west, go west. I mean, it's Find not gold. It's not perfect. Yeah, it's
1: not perfect. <laughs> like I wouldn't move if you're a woman and you're looking for a college grad guy. Don't move to Portland, Oregon, uh, which is just as bad as New York. Right. Um, but generally speaking, as you head from the East Coast to the West Coast, the numbers get somewhat better for. College grad women who are looking for a college grad guy. Right. You can probably guess what the best region of the country is, uh, you know, in terms of the gender ratios for women.
0: Uh, well, that I mean, I've read the book, so yeah. that'd be cheating. But what was it? Was it Alaska? Or was it San Jose? Or was it's it Denver? A, it's, it's San Jose. San so Jose. yeah,
1: I'm pretty much all of Silicon Valley. Yeah. It's the it's the one part of the it's the one well populated part of the country that attracts huge numbers of college grad guys. Now, did you how were you able to factor in like the,
0: the The part of the population that's only attracted to the same sex when you were crunching numbers.
1: Well, you know, the yeah, I mean, I had one of the problems with working with census data from my perspective is that the Census Bureau, unfortunately, does not ask about sexual orientation. Well, in 2016, it's it'd be quite difficult. There's about 20
0: boxes to check now. There's uh, there are a lot of options. Well, I
1: would rather have, have <laughs> I'd rather have more data than less data. Mm-hmm. So uh, it it made things complicated for me because as I mentioned I'm focused on the heterodating pool uh-huh. and I have to figure out who is and who is not Part of the hetero dating pool, so I I consulted with this guy Gary Gates at uh, UCLA. He's an academic, um, and he's considered basically the nation's leading expert on LGBTQ demographics. So, he, so he he helped me kind of work through the numbers and get a sense um, in in both nationally and in various cities um, what the gay and lesbian population looked like. And one of the interesting things he told me that was to help kind of influence, you know, the way I I crunch the numbers is that these cities like New York or San Francisco or, or Washington that we think of as being very gay friendly, they attract disproportionate numbers of gay men, particularly educated gay men, but they do not attract disproportionate numbers of lesbian women. Like if you looked at the... Do, wait, do gay men also
0: only like, I mean, to by the numbers, not by... A factual statement but like do do you find that gay men also want to stay college educated to college educated
1: um i i, so I feel I, like I, that would be I, more complicated yeah. Are you
0: a top or a bottom do you have a degree like you gotta uh, get both
1: i i i think the assortative mating thing applies it's more of a class thing than a okay. yeah so I, I would say yes um but what i was getting at is that if you look at lesbian populations on a per capita basis the numbers are the same in des moines as they are in manhattan um like lesbian women don't don't gravitate don't relocate um don't cluster in gay-friendly cities Mm. um so once you kind of crunch that into the numbers for say like manhattan you know what it, it, it takes the he, so Gates, this guy this guy at UCLA. His estimate was that ten percent of the young educated men in New York were gay, okay, versus only about one and a half percent of the young educated women were lesbian.
0: But then there's all the stuff in between that take into account that like really messes yeah, with the yeah. I guess, y- the you, data. Know, like,
1: you know, like you know, people ask me like, y- y- is there one topic or one you know? Uh, one intellectual exercise I would have liked to have done with the book or maybe with a future book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really curious. Um, like people who are in the in-between categories, let's just bisexual, pick, pansexual, yeah, right, whatever they I'm, want I'm to just call gonna, themselves. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to call them bisexual. Sure. Like I'm, you know, I don't know. Like a, a bisexual man, um, I would love to know data on, on like, on average, is he more, when he marries, is he more likely to marry a man or a woman? Um, And all these categories in between. Like, I'd love to know. So, we just don't have enough marriage data in general yet. So, Um, you're
0: fine with all the different labels that keep popping out because at least then it could get more data.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm a, like, I'm, yeah if you want I, I, I'm a, I'm a dork. So you yeah, want to call I, I, yourself a zucchini man? Be yeah. a
0: zucchini. Just mark it on the census. Right. I
1: just want to be able to compare <laughs> zucchinis in, in Washington to zucchinis in Portland, <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, man. Um I I I th- I found it sad, and again, this is all like in my experience of reading before I get to the the suggestion that women should also look to men who are more working class. But yeah. you know, I, I thought it was sad that um it was such a like, need is such emphasis on having a college degree because I think about like how many assholes,
1: oh yeah, you know,
0: have a college degree, and um, how many like good guys without college degrees are just getting passed up because he's a hard worker and couldn't go to college. Well, well, y- you, know?
1: y- you and I met at at Brian Howie's Great Love Debate, and at, uh, oh, I have a other. Yeah. Sorry, continue. So um, I, <laughs> I've done I've, I, I've done one other show with him since then. At that at that show, um. Afterwards, I was talking to this guy who had come to the show and he was, you know, a little rough around the edges, but certainly good looking and, and in great shape. Um, and he was complaining to me that Manhattan women just won't give him the time of day. And I was a little confused. So I asked him, Cause well, you know, the numbers. I know the numbers. <laughs> I said, I said, like, well, I can't remember his name, but I'm, let's call him Joe. I said, it, Joe, like, I'm just curious. We call him Chad.
0: Chad sounds she, like a douche.
1: Uh, well, well, no, it's, we, we, he's a Joe. He's a Joe. Let's stick with Joe and you'll, you'll see why in a minute. Okay. okay. So I said, <laughs> I said, Joe, I'm just curious, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a New York city firefighter. And you know, and it just it's, is he in the calendar because then he should be rolling it. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not, you know, he's not like that good looking. But he's a, he was a good yeah. looking guy, and um, and I guarantee you that a lot of the Manhattan women would be much happier with this guy than some of the douchebags that that they've been, you know, jerked around with, you know, by the for, finance bros. Right, exactly. Um, you know, and, and this guy, he's not saddled with a hundred thousand dollars in like college debt. Um, I'm sure he's more alpha than I am. Uh, maybe you are too. No, right? no, nah, nah, I'm, I'm quite better. Okay. <laughs> don't um, let the it, word man-whore fool you. It, <laughs> I don't know he, how it happens either. Right, and I'm sure, you know, he can fix your car or your sink or do other things manly tasks that you or i cannot um <laughs> <laughs> you know how beta
0: i am i hooked up with a woman the next morning um she had, i she said i should check my uh oil because i was in texas and something might be wrong with the car and i was like i don't know how she checked my oil because I was like, I don't fucking know how.
1: That's pretty bad. That's pretty yeah, bad, I man. Mean, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't consider myself terribly handy, but I know how to check my oil. I, I even replaced a headlight once, which I think is like, you know, my... That's my... that's beyond my scope, <laughs> man. So sorry, continue. to so Joe. So yeah, so so I, you know, I was thinking like, you know, it's bad that like this, you know, good guy firefighter in midtown Manhattan, you know, uh, women won't give him the time of day mm. when I bet you anything... I, you know I, i've seen the, i don't know these numbers totally by heart but i think if you're if you've been a firefighter for 10 years in manhattan with decent overtime you're probably pushing 100,000 a year yeah. um no debt um you get pension at the e- end right yeah, excellent you, pension you retire early yeah. um You know, and 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 a guy like that, he hasn't been operating in a dating pool in which. um, But like, can women look at him
0: and know he doesn't have a degree? You know, like they got to talk to him.
1: Well, he, you know, I mean, like I said, it was a little rough around the. He had a very strong Brooklyn accent, so maybe that. You know, uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, a little charm school would have helped him. I I don't know.
0: But, But it's like when you know, especially because online dating is so prevalent, it's not like we're always putting you know where we went to school on no, profiles no but no I,
1: but, but a lot of these dating apps you know people do check boxes for college grads but i don't know for example
0: tinder like there's no thing for college grad right i haven't done a lot of online dating
1: just tinder and
0: craigslist so I'm, I, mean, I might I mean, not I mean, know I mean, all the options
1: certainly on match and ok cupid and sites like that okay. you can you know screen for you know college for, for, of, for okay. education yeah yeah
0: well it's just like cuz i i just figured that when if they end up accidentally on a date with a dude who doesn't have a degree, they get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I
1: mean, guy. I mean, the, the more I, 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 the more time I spend thinking about and talking about dating, the more I start encouraging people to lie on their dating profiles. Oh no. No, but like, like here's the, like last night I was at this event and I was talking. I you like about, your original mission, which is like change the minds. mind. Well, no, 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 <clears> but, but, but like little white lines that just get you to the first date. So there was a woman I was talking to last night. Um, She's very tall. She's like 5'11 in heels. Or no, 5'11 without heels. And, you know, she's from the Midwest where there are probably a lot more tall guys. And she's found that here that, you know, the guys are a little spooked by, by her height. And I was like, you know... On your dating on your dating profile, just put five seven. You know, like uh, it doesn't. God, that's not going to go well. No, but but you know what? You get to the first date, and then you realize because like, she
0: doesn't want to date a guy who's going to be spooked by that in the first place. Like, but but, but she the, wants a guy but, but, but who's but the, confident enough to yeah, go on yeah, the date. I know, but but the, but six, the guy. Check.
1: I don't think people are putting huge amounts of thought into the box checking. It's like, oh yeah, I'd like a woman who is, you know. Five, six, and not six feet, but mm. it's not like you know they're you know they're like spending huge amounts of mental energy thinking about oh i oh I can only be with a woman who's this height right. I actually think online dating you know makes us it's like you know picking options on a car. You know, that, that people just randomly think, oh, I, I need this, this, and this. And all the things, all these boxes people check with online dating, it really says a lot more about who you are than who you would click with. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um,
1: you know, like, oh, well, I need a, I like French bulldogs, so I need somebody who also likes bulldogs. I'm a lake person, not an ocean. Like the, or the like, age stuff. The age yeah. stuff kills me. Because yeah. I, I typically would date, I
0: mean, my girlfriend's younger than me, but I typically would date older. And the women who wouldn't give me the time of day because I wasn't 30, I'd be like, if you talk to me for like 10 minutes, right. you're going to be like, this dude's more mature than, and I was a very mature in other places, but you will be like, this guy's more mature than a lot of the 35-year-olds right. have dated. No,
1: I mean, I, I met a woman who had just turned 40, and she was like, oh, that's a problem because now, now that i them 40, you know, people won't date a woman is 40. and like... I would date a woman who's 40? Yeah, I know, but I told her, you know... Yeah, she she was she didn't look for it. And he said, "Just put thirty seven on your dating profile. It Doesn't matter. I mean, like you can you can fess up on the first date, and if it's a big deal, it's, you know, whatever."
0: No, I didn't go to Vassar College. I grew up on Vassar Avenue. I'm sorry,
1: I just needed the date. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking smaller lies than that, but but yeah, I yeah yeah. I mean, I I think that that particularly when it comes to like things like uh, like height and age, I, I feel like you know they're like fudging a little bit is not going to be the end of the world.
0: It's not the end of the world, but I like, I mean, when I see, um, women put height stuff in like on Tinder, for example, uh, even if I fit the criteria, if like, she says like, you have to be taller than me, I'm five, five, I'm, I'm taller than that, but I don't like you that you have that
1: requirement, you know, like, but yeah, but I think, I don't think it's a requirement. I think it's a preference and, preference. and, um, so, all These dating sites ask you to state preferences so, sure. pe- so people, but then I don't, people feel, follow directions. I don't, I pre- don't feel bad for that woman if she feels like she ran
0: out of options. I was like, no, you got to be a little less picky,
1: right? But, but she doesn't realize, um, and Brian Howie, our mutual friend, makes this point a lot that only something like 15% of men are six feet or, or taller. She probably did not know that, yeah, yeah, um. I'm feeling quite good about yeah. myself right now so, at 5'10". So, and the thing, you know, my wife is 5'2". She can't tell the difference between 5'8 and 6'1". They're I mean, all tall to her. They're all tall. They're all right, giants. Right, right, they're exactly. all going to smush her. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> How tall are you? I'm six feet. Okay. But, but you know, pretty much anybody who's several inches taller than her looks tall. Right. And I suspect a lot of women cannot tell the difference between 5'10 and 6'2". Do you think with the
0: college-educated aspect, do you think there's a generational difference? I, I, I touched on it earlier because... You know, like, I went to the event that you, no. you were on, <laughs> and a lot of the people in that audience were in their mid to late 30s or way higher. And do you think there might be a difference uh, between, like, the priorities of people who are in their 20s or even the the case of just, like, wanting to get married or, like, typical relationship models, you know, factoring like polyamory and whatnot. Well,
1: well just sticking with the college thing okay. and then we can move on to sure, the sure. other stuff. So with the college thing, no, I, I don't think it's getting better. I think it's getting worse. I mean, really? that's what the data shows. And it may not be, you know, like I said, I, it's, I'm, not, I'm not certain that that people are are marrying, like college grads are marrying other college grads because that's their top priority. I just think we we live in a world in which we tend to socialize with people like us. So we don't even meet. Um, We're not mean the working class people. Right, exactly. So maybe, you know, if we lived in Brooklyn 100 years ago, um, and it was kind of a, an Italian enclave or something like that, um, you know, we would meet at church. Or at a social club or something like that, and it might not matter if you know if I if my educational level was different from hers or vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, but nowadays we don't we don't mingle with working class working class people and and white collar people. You got to start joining rec leagues. You know, it's, just
0: go do rec volleyball, and you you can meet some new people, right? So,
1: <laughs> and, and, and and like I said, I think online dating makes it worse because mm-hmm. there is so much box checking, and there and I, I think particularly the children mm-hmm. of sub- Arabia don't think twice about saying they want to date another college grad
0: now i give you i gave you credit uh throughout because again you when when you say people are giving you shit for like the heteronormative stuff i was like yeah but he addresses it another thing you do address is um the want to get married uh how that's not as big a priority for everybody and that you're not saying every woman wants to get married and not every because one of the things i took offense to initially in the book was
1: could, Was you, he just you,
0: saying like every dude wants to get his dick wet? And I'm like, I'm not always that guy. You can you can take offense. Right?
1: I'm a big boy. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I
0: there's so, a lot there's a lot of like yeah, gender norms yeah, yeah. that run so throughout I, the book. I,
1: I'm not assuming that marriage is for everyone, right. um, and I know it's not. Yeah so I like and I'm not endorsing monogamy but what I am arguing and 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 some might find this equally offensive mm. is that is that these preferences and these lifestyle choices um are are heavily influenced by prevailing sex ratios. Mm. So we may think we're making an independent decision um to live a polyamorous lifestyle but I'll tell you you know I did a interview with a um two grad student filmmakers at NYU who were doing a, a documentary on dating, and um, we're you know, and they had interviewed a whole bunch of people who were part of a polyamorous community here in New York, and I asked the guy, "I'm just curious, were any of them working class?" And he paused, and he said, "No." And I'm saying, "Well, that doesn't surprise me because in you know, if you look at U.S. data for." For non-college grads um, age 22 to 29 who are single, people you know, working class people right. in their 20s, there's about 9.5 million men and about 7 million women. So it doesn't shock me that in that world, um, men would be more monogamous and more possessive of women. Whereas in the white-collar world, um, again, all the research you know from the book, all the research shows that the dating culture is looser and less monogamous um, and more promiscuous when women are in oversupply. Now I'm not, I, I you know, maybe it it's doesn't, the
0: possessive part. I was like, you didn't have to include possessive in there. I was like, that's where I, I feel I, like I, I, think, jumped. I
1: think my argument <laughs> is that this is a, this is, heavily influenced by supply and demand and it plays on the animal and, kingdom so i was right. like that's and, and people and men value women more when women are scarce the same way people value gold more when gold is right scarce. But i feel right. like we're i i or at least i like to believe
0: that we are like moving a bit past that but i also have lived in the bubble of fucking new york city for nine years so
1: yeah every i mean everybody likes to think that that because um, so when you
0: say like there's there's less women around, so the men are going to work harder to be the so, best so, alpha right. and be so, possessive. So I'm I, like maybe he just like uh, wants to get be monogamous without being possessive. Yeah,
1: you, you know why it may be easier for me to like think this way is right. because I do come from a financial background, right. and I'm and I've spent a lot of time writing about and thinking about behavioral finance, and a lot of our our financial decisions and investing decisions are heavily influenced by the way our brains are hardwired. And so, you know, g- given that, that, um, you know, uh, th- that people panic in certain financial situations mm. or are attracted to bubble tech stocks, things like that. Like I-, I know from my research in the, in the, on the, uh, finance side, looking at behavioral finance, that, that, that these behavioral patterns emerge over and over and over again. And we think we're so smart, but in fact, we do this. We make the same mistake, the same mistakes every, every 10 years, we and, make the same mistakes. And the, so, so the notion, <laughs> so the notion that when it comes to romance, Oh, well, you know, the hard wiring of our brains has nothing to do with my, with the romantic choices I make. Well, that's not true.
0: And the, and the other big, the, probably the biggest problem I have with the book is that it's, it, it seems right, and I don't want it to be like that's like the biggest thing is I'm just like no, I don't. I, I feel like a Trump supporter. I'm like yeah. I'm looking at data. I'm like, but but no, like well, we should, you know we should we should
1: talk about Trump supporters because I I have a, I have my own little unique data take on what's going on. Oh, there. do tell. Well, um, please tell so, me they're so, all masochists. No, no, no. I mean it's not really Trump. <laughs> it's it's more like getting at this issue of why are working class men so angry? Okay, well. If you were in a world with nine point five million single men mm. and seven million single <gasps> women, and all the women who dated you in high school have gone off to college and they're making sixty thousand dollars a year first job out of college at Google, and you're making fifteen dollars an hour in construction. And, and they won't date you. And they won't date you. And Hillary is talking about the you know the gender Wage gap when when that girl you dated in high school is out earning you by threefold um th- it doesn't shock me that there's there's some anger among among these guys and the, I- the, the, the same way and I make this point in the book that that at times when there's an oversupply of women, um, f- feminist movements have been energized by, by those kinds of demographics. And I think there's something similar going on in which anti-feminist movements are energized when there's an oversupply of men.
0: And if you look at the where those pockets of uh, Trump rallies are... It's I wouldn't in, be surprised. If it's the, in blue
1: collar America where there are no women. Mm-hmm.
0: And if and I would give them similar advice that you give the uh, college educated women, uh, single women in your book. Is I would tell them if there's a there's not enough women and there's no supply of horny angry dudes. Well, it sounds like pop on Craigslist, buddy. Search M for M and uh, release that load. Maybe maybe I mean, I mean, the other expand thing is expand your dating you know, options right, sir and, 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 to other sirs. I mean <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: But but you know I like I I do also think about how you how we fix this problem long term and I, I did a an NPR interview, went right when the book came out, and the producer uh, was a woman who had been a, a high school English teacher mm-hmm. before she went into radio. And we were talking about some of my ideas, and I said, you know, I I was mostly joking. I said, you know, if your typical fifteen-year-old boy in a working-class community knew that he had two life paths before him, one a, a, a going to college and having all you know all these all these women around him oh, right. or or part. or a working class world in which there were too many men, that boy might work a little harder there, in school yeah. <laughs> if he thought he might get laid when he was 18 more frequently. And she said to me, Oh, absolutely. That's all a fifteen year old boy thinks about. So if you told him he'd have more sex if he studied harder, I guarantee you he would study harder. So the next round of speak engagements you're doing at high schools <laughs> that, that should be the next thing.
0: Just go I, around I with the book.
1: I, I don't know. I mean I, 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 I Bring I'm, your I, charts. I, I am certain I'm right whether whether parents and high school administrators want to hear that message, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> I mean you can do it under the guise of like college advisement be like look these schools have a ton of chicks and i know you don't care about mm-hmm. school so i'm not going to talk to you about majors and which are the good programs and who has good faculty and study abroad i know that you're just a horny dude and look all these women here right. if you but you got to work harder to yeah. get here if
1: you stop failing math maybe you'll get laid yes
0: yeah. yes precisely <laughs> i fully agree i was a big math fan growing up <laughs> what, what was the gender ratio like at uh, your college
1: well, at Brown it was basically fifty-fifty, but mm-hmm. I'm old, so I graduated in 1990. Okay. Um, and um, you're in your the, 40s. I'm I'm 46. 46. Yeah, 40, okay. No, I'm 47. Uh, yeah. oh, see, okay. when, when you get to your 40s, <laughs> you forget how old you are. Uh, um, so, uh, so the the last year that more men than women graduated from college was 1982. <laughs> so, so probably by by 1990 it was slightly imbalanced, but nothing like um, like what we see what we see today and you've also said that
0: like being slightly imbalanced is basically even right
1: yeah i mean i I mean mean, if brown was 52 percent female back then i mean that's you know that's it's it it doesn't i don't think it plays out and with the same drama um that that I mean, like 60 40 may not sound radically different than fifty two forty eight, 48, but 60 40, which is what NYU is, for example, or BU. Go NYU. There's, or, there's or, 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 or Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. UNC, schools like that. Uh, 60 40 means three women for every two men. Not bad. It, was, it was not bad. Right. I'll say that. Right. And, <laughs> and, 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 one, and once one of those women pair off with one of those men, the, the ratio among the remaining singles becomes two to one.
0: Yeah a <laughs> lot, lot more threesomes <laughs> exactly <Yes. laughs> a lot more like uh yeah. threesomes they don't even want to be in but like if this is how i have to get laid now
1: i guess that's the new norm <laughs> right so yeah i mean i i i have talked to parents of high school applicants making this point that look if i mean kids nowadays they they think about all sorts of shit mm. beyond academics when it comes to applying to school i mean yeah. they they want to know if the wi-fi is any good right Aren't, you know
0: at, at the, uh, i having uh, applied to college more recently than yeah. he was like i the cluster of schools were all about the same to me so now i'm, I'm more weighing in location and like right. the or, or, ease of transportation exactly, exactly. And like, yeah so,
1: so i don't think it's a reach if you're going to consider the cafeteria food or the wi-fi to also take into consideration the sex ratio right yeah absolutely man so you've been with this woman since since college yeah, I mean, uh, there, was, there, there, there was there there was there was some breaks? there was some off and onness. There was you know, off and onness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at college, post college, but you know, we you been... had time to like take advantage of gender ratios at some point. I, I, that... <laughs> I I'm not sure I even knew, understood the concept of gender ratios when I was you know at that point. Um, yeah, no, I mean we, you know, yeah, we. I mean, we haven't been together every moment since you know since we met, but uh, that's
0: still lo- that's still just a long time to know a person. I can't. I'm like uh, I'm almost a year into knowing my present girlfriend, and that's still like Jesus. That's a long time. Um,
1: I, are you looking for advice? Or oh no, are... I just I just
0: uh, <laughs> I I I mean I come from a, like a house of divorce. You, also, you know, in, and like with the, with the divorce rate, what it is, you know, just like anyone who's like together mm-hmm. in their like mid to late forties is is. So what do you stellar. think?
1: So what do you think the divorce rate is?
0: I mean, I know what you know. I just, I just know what I read in Twitter headlines. You, you, you read that half
1: of all marriages end in divorce, right?
0: I just read what Twitter says, man. That's and, so, half so, half all marriages, half of all divorce. marriages end.
1: Okay, so let me just throw out like a, another way to think about that number. Okay, okay. imagine you have um, ten men and ten women, and, the, and oh, and, I see. And, what and, is and, going. Hold on, hold okay. on, and they marry each other, and seven of those ten couples live happily ever after and never get divorced. Um, but three of those couples divorce and remarry each other over and over and over and over again. So between, you know, among these 20 people, because a few of them kept getting divorced, um, it could be that, that 60% of the marriages in this group ended in divorce, But only thirty percent. But only thirty percent of the people actually got. So so what I've discovered when it comes to marriage and divorce data is there, like, like you know, there's there was something I read on I think it was Bustle or one of those sites the other you know a few weeks ago about what's the best age to get married. And and like there was some study showing that if you get married, you know, after thirty six or something like that, you're less likely to get divorced. And I was thinking, well no shit i mean like more ta- like there's less time to yeah, get divorced yeah, i guarantee if you get married <laughs> at 84 the divorce <laughs> rate is very very low you know um and if you get married at 16 you're going to live longer than, you know, so, so there's more, there's more time yeah. to get divorced. But if you don't want to get divorced, get married at 85. And I, I think the they, odds, the <laughs> odds of you getting divorced are very low. So it's maybe just like there's a, there's a
0: smaller percentage of the population is bad at marriage. than Then well, a... <laughs> I, 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 just,
1: I just think you kind of, you kind of, you have to be sensible when thinking about these numbers that like, like, of course there's going to be less years to get divorced. If you get married later, mm. um, and, you, you know, when I think about this, I'm like, well, okay, let's say you have a couple that gets married at age, married at age 20 and divorced at age 60. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 40 years of marriage. Which is solid. Which is excellent. Is that really a worse outcome than somebody who gets married at 40 and one, and one person dies at age 70 and they have 30 years of marriage? Is that really a, like, is that, I mean, 40 years of marriage, I think, is a pretty good outcome. Um, they
0: also got 40 years, or they got like, like 22 years of, uh, of free-for-all, though, before it. Yeah, yeah. They did get some yeah, time to no, I fun. mean
1: I'm going off on a tangent, but like, it, it, the, the more time I spend with this data, the more I realize how easy it is to, to manipulate it to your, to make your argument. So what, did, did you manipulate anything in this book? You want to fess up? I, no, you want I didn't, to fess I, up with no, anything, I, John? No, I didn't manipulate, <laughs> but I will say if you if you read the um, the you know I, I do this study in the book in which I use college campuses as case studies to kind of draw the connection between gender ratios and um, and uh the dating culture at these schools. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I cop to it in the book I, I did pick. So the, so basically what I do is I, I rank 35 major public and private universities by their sex ratio. And you have
0: like all the data in that right, like charts right, and numbers. Right. right, right. And, and then I, and, then <laughs> I, and then I
1: pair this, yeah. the college sex ratio data with how students describe dating at their schools. And the descriptions come courtesy of niche.com, which is a student authored college review website. Right. And, you know, and I cop to it. I mean, I did pick some of the more colorful Comments, Um, but but you know, I they they were still representative, and you can really tell from from how kids talk about dating um, how much the sex ratio was affected by. Um, you know, or how much the, the dating culture is affected by the sex ratio. So at Georgia Tech, which is 66% male, which is you know, two men for every one woman, but, you know, the, 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 co- the comment is Tech is a monogamous campus. People like to be in relationships. Whereas at Boston University, which is 62% female, the comment is freshman year is a sexual explosion. There are girls to go around and around again. Um, and oh, yeah. you and you can see this in the in the study that that um that as you go from schools that are more men than women right. to ones that are hugely disproportionately female the 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 descriptions of dating become wilder hookup culture
0: well, i also find that probably the ones where it's like more men than women like an mit is just going to be a, it's it's really just a bunch of dudes in a corner being like how do we talk to the women
1: yeah but you know, you know yeah i i mean that you could you could argue that but Let's take University of Miami. Okay. okay? University of Miami. My sister went there. Yeah. Notorious party school, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it also happens to be relatively balanced. It's only 52% male, uh, 50, 52% female. And the average school these days is 57 or 58. Yeah. So it's relatively balanced. And the comment for the U is random hookups are common in the beginning, but after a few months or a year, relationships take over. Right. So you can see, even with the non-tech schools, um, Tufts University, you know, which is 50-50. so
0: my, my ex went. Yeah.
1: yeah, halfway through sophomore year, People pair off and generally stay paired off through junior and senior year. So, so we broke up freshman year, and then uh, by and it's
0: true by junior year, she had a dude she was with for many right. years.
1: Right. So getting so, married. Now. So, right. So at Miami or Tufts, it's not like it's it's filled with guys who can't talk to girls. NYU,
0: my, my alma mater, is uh, guys take advantage of the male-to-female ratio. And I also have to express the the gay-to-not-gay ratio okay. was was huge right. for me in NYU. Right. Because the, out of the few men, there was like a good chunk of them well, were I, in
1: theater. I, I want to ask you a question about NYU. <laughs> okay. uh, I began, I've heard, I'm just curious if, if your comment is going to um, support what other people have told me. Um, when you compare the same-sex relationships at NYU <clears throat> versus the hetero relationships there... Um, which kind of relationship did you find to be more monogamous among your friends? Uh, I don't think people were talking. I think all or more committed, monogamy. <clears throat> by the way, yeah, yeah. Because I think I think that in college,
0: especially when I was in school, you know, the whole open stuff was not as big. Like, uh, and I just saw a piece that like millennials are like the least monogamous generation or some shit now. But uh, when I was in school, it was like, they all seemed committed. No one was talking about having mm-hmm. like polyamorous relationships. So the, the, um, the, 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 but the, also uh, with like, uh, you know, when you're dealing with 18, 19 year olds, there's a lot of kids who are like, they're just coming out. So the whole, even doing anything with someone of the same sex is like a new experience, let alone the dating. Whereas in everyone else had maybe a jump start with high school of like opposite sex dating.
1: Well, so the reason I ask is that both those filmmakers from NYU who I right. mentioned before, and the son of a friend of mine who I believe is a junior there now, they both told me that that their um, their gay or lesbian friends who are you know that that, that their relationships um, tended to be more committed than the hetero relationships, and that makes perfect sense to me because. Any gay or lesbian dating pool is essentially going to be 50-50. I mean, there's no you in Im- your numbers again. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. No,
0: no, uh, no. I yeah. like. I in fact, like I said, I don't like that they're right, but they seem right to me. But like, no, I'm not. You know, you know, I'm not like <laughs> the human in me wants to look past the numbers, but the numbers are too consistent. Especially when you take into fact <clears throat> um, a lot of the way it plays out, like in nature with like animals and yeah. animal kingdom, like typical thing. Like it's sluttier culture, cultures when there's more women, uh, females right. than males. I was like, I, I don't, I don't
1: really have anything else to dispute with you. With yeah, the, you know, like yeah, the, the seabirds get really slutty when there aren't <laughs> enough men.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say with NYU is they say that like we take advantage of the gender ratios, and most men have no plans of settling into a long term relationship. Meanwhile, I have this podcast because no one would love me back.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I'd like to say that this book is more macro than micro. Right, right, right. I can't explain every individual situation. <laughs>
0: no, no, I, and I like that because in the book you have a lot of like. Um, anecdotal evidence like you talk to people of various types you talk to college students yeah so was there like a culture shock at any point because you have kids right
1: I have kids, but they're yeah. but they're like you know and like teenagers te- or- yeah they they hate this <laughs> but
0: they, they're gonna get all the prep oh but, yeah no but- they,
1: it's it's humiliating that their dad wrote a dating book
0: <laughs> <laughs> they um but you talked to like a lot of college students uh, or people in their 20s and you know was there like a culture shock of just like what
1: well, I mean, are I, people I,
0: talking about like threesomes willy yeah, nilly? And you're like, it, wait, what? It, it
1: wasn't a culture shock, but but th- there were some of it had to do with the venue. So when I was doing interviews at, at NYU, uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever been to Bronxville, but there's this little coffee shop called Slave to the Grind in Bronxville where I did a lot of the interviews. And it's very close quarters, tables are very near each other. Um, and I was doing relatively explicit interviews with an earshot of like other people and i remember after one of them you know this woman at the table next to me was like what the fuck were you she, I, I, like I, I she was like you know what were you talking about and i, I kind of had to explain we're to her. talking about dating yeah um yeah and there were some threesome <laughs> comments and things like that right right but but none of it, that seemed like uh what are these young kids doing no, I mean I think maybe because I'm a I I ai have particularly from work. I have a I have a an array. I have friends from many different ages. So like I was, you know, it's not like hey, there's a hookup culture. No. Yeah, I mean, right. I knew I knew what the world was like. Fair enough, man. Is there
0: um is there anything that didn't make the book? Is there like a chapter missing that you wish was there now?
1: Um it's not that I wish it was there, but but I think it would have been interesting. Not a chap, maybe just a, a few pages. So um, the I mentioned earlier that I, I was um, uh, consulting with this guy, Gary Gates, at UCLA, who's the expert yeah. on LGBTQ demographics. And um, he was fascinating. And he made this – he was talking – we had a wide-ranging conversation. He was talking about the fastest-growing you – know, Populations within the LGBT community, and based on his surveys and his numbers, it seemed to be that that um, African American lesbians were the fastest growing segment within within the uh, particular particularly college educated um, were the fastest growing segment within the LGBTQ world, and he. He said, "You know, he kind of argued that this probably has something to do with supply and demand, mm. uh, because um, on the one hand you have a very high incarceration rate, unfortunately, of black men. On the other, um, when you when you're looking at college, um, there are almost twice as many black women as black men graduating from college mm. these days. So does that have hold, any- hold on? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so he was saying that that perhaps the increase in in um." women, African-American women who identify as either lesbian or bisexual may be related to the shortage of men. And I thought this was fascinating. It was, and he gave me a couple other There sc- some people clenching their fists right now. Right, right. There are <laughs> like some scholars who, like, who he encouraged me to speak to. And then I got home and I started telling my wife about this. And she gave me this really mm. skeptical, evil look. And she said, so what you're telling me then is a is a lesbian or bisexual woman is a woman who can't find a man. And I'm like, that's not all. What?
0: I'm not doing that one anymore. All of a so. sudden you've turned to Banky from, uh, for, ba- Banky right. from so, Chasing Amy. Yeah,
1: I, um, exactly, yeah. So then I realized um, uh, I was no longer interested in that topic.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah. you're like I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. But and, and but just to clarify, that's a man who uh, he works with the queer community. Like oh, he's he's good. Yeah, yeah, he's gay. He like gay. that's just the thing. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. No. He, I mean, he's a he's a he's a social scientist. There's still people who will be mad at him to be like,
0: well, that's just because oh, of like the the blatant misogyny in the male gay culture. Um, but this is a guy who works in that world. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 I okay. Mean, I just wanted to I just wanted to clarify yeah, yeah, that no, before. Yes. Pitchforks yes. were taken out.
1: <laughs> no. No. He said uh, no. He's had um other. Yeah, like he. Uh, I think he's used to pitchforks. Okay,
0: Man, well, you've been going to like a lot of like conferences and like you know events and speaking on dating, but you know, have you noticed uh, anything about being, uh, like, like me, one of those straight white cis men uh, at these things? We're we're not necessarily in the majority when it comes to the the dating sex world. I, I you know, mean, like professionals. <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't. I mean, I I think in in general that you know the the imbalance in the dating market makes it better for all men. Um, oh no, I meant like being like a speaker
0: at these things and noticing know, like you might be the only like straight dude in the like on a panel or something at right? an event. How there there might be more women or more queer people or or something like that.
1: I mean, certainly at the at, if you go to most dating events, they're going to be way more women than mm-hmm. men, and that's because the. The dating problem is mostly a woman's problem so that's why dating events tend to draw more women do you think maybe the problem the ratio
0: problem is more of a woman problem but for for opposite sex attracted dudes um strategy could be more the problem and that's maybe why there's more pickup stuff is directed towards them versus like Well, your book.
1: I. I mean, I. I think
0: because your book is basically like could be uh, helpful for a woman or helpful for a man who wants to like take advantage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I. I I think
1: (laughs) this in the wrong hands
0: uh, is uh,
1: (laughs) dangerous. I, I mean, I. I think I've said before that if I thought men probably particularly working class men bought dating books i would have written it differently mm-hmm. but in addition to being an author i have to think about the commercial viability of my book and working class guys and guys in general don't really buy dating books right. so yes it's written more aimed at women than men but that's really more of a a commercial a marketing choice oh, than a, than a than an intellectual one
0: but in that, like, when when you you know you said you know a few times that you think that um, you know the dating ratio problem is a woman's problem. Well, but do it, you think that the what because it's not that men it's not that men don't have a problem with dating. It's like maybe their problem is different. Do you think theirs is more strategical problems than the numbers problem?
1: Um, I I guess the I don't know the, the, the answer, answer and the honest answer is I don't know. I mean I I mean I I do think the. Certainly, like you've seen this explosion of of consultants, coaches who will teach pickup artistry, right? Or people who will write books about them. Or there's a woman out there who has a great business as a wing woman.
0: That's um, like a that's a big. big a bi- there's a lot big, of people like that, right? Yeah. Right. And who and do it, you it, think about Wing Girl Method? Is that yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think she's spoken she, something.
1: Um and. And I, I think it's gotten sufficiently easy. It's it's gotten sufficiently easier Mm. for guys that they can try things and try to get away with things that I never would have tried to get away with when I was twenty four.
0: You'd be like, I would never wear that shirt. I'm not peacocking with that.
1: Right. Like, (laughs) I I mean, I I think, um, no, maybe I'm a bad example because I've. Like when I was single, I liked about a thousand. Like I never wanted to get rejected. So oh. um which which doesn't make you uh a very good player if you want about a thousand. You only went for
0: a sure thing?
1: I, I I like women who like me.
0: Yeah. I see me too. You you had that one line which I underlined <laughs> that that was the one was like, Yeah, man, me too was uh men want to be wanted. Yes. I mean and, yeah. and that can yeah. be expensive. So, Everyone I, wants I, to be wanted, but I, like yeah. Like, when I
1: was single, I never wanted to be rejected. I mm. wanted to like I like so, so, and, and to be a, a successful player, you have to be willing to bat 500, you know, like right. you, you, you if, if you, if your ego is such that you can't take getting rejected, then it's not going to be a good idea for you. Yeah. I, I'm in the same ballpark. One of the women I interviewed, um, who... Another one of these women who is spectacularly good looking, mm-hmm. everything going for her, you know, sweet as pie. I mean, they, yeah, no, you know, right. her mom cannot understand why she's single, like all these moms out there. And um, she was saying to me, you know, my girlfriends and I always talk about this and we always wonder, why is it that the bitchy girls never have any trouble? And I think she was onto something there because the, the girl she describes as the bitchy girls, I, they're not waiting around for the guy to make the first move. Mm. They don't care if the guy that they like came to the party with another woman. I, they're just going to go for it and do what they want and make the first move and be aggressive regardless. And I think that's why in a dating market in which there are more women than men, what she describes as the bitchy girls have an advantage because they're not sitting back and waiting for the guy to make the first move.
0: Who made the first move? With you? Who approached who? Uh, you and the wife. Who made first move?
1: You know, I I think if you I think I, I would say she did. I'm sure she would say I did. But you know, we can. Would you two like bump into each other, knock your books of oh, no, 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 each other's? No, hands? no, no, no. We we you know we we knew each other, we, we knew each other before okay. we started dating. Okay. So, you know, um, her definition of a move might be different than mine. So like,
0: okay. okay, man, fair enough. Um, for for the. I guess my, cause I, for my sluttier listeners or my less inclined to marriage listeners who yeah. do like um, dating though, you know, would you say that this, the data would apply to them regardless of whether or not they want to get married?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, you, you know this. I mean, if you're, if you're, I'm, a, I'm leading you. I'm just, I know. Saying, I mean, <laughs> I'm if, setting you up. <laughs> if you're, if you're a guy in New York or Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. or Washington or Houston, um, How about LA.
0: Forgot which one that
1: was. Can we get back to LA? Let's, for, get, back let's to L.A. get back to LA in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if you're a guy in one of these cities, and you know you can pass the smell test, you know you have a half, yeah, half decent <laughs> wardrobe. You can carry on a conversation. You know you have a job that at least sounds good in small talk. Mm. Like the world is your oyster, right? Um, you know th- there were just so many. Um, options for guys. And you're right that, that it, it, it certainly occurred to me that my book and what you call the wrong hands, you know, it, <laughs> it does, because I do think there are guys out there who intuitively feel that, that like, you know, wow, I, uh, things have gotten easier you know that they, like they don't know that what they the, think like I've gotten so good at this dating thing. It's like nah, man. this, well, they, this. <laughs> no, they they, th- they think they're just going on like, a, like things are going well for them. They don't. They're not thinking about the macro stuff. Right. Um. But if you tell them, it's not just that you're on a hot streak. It's that um. It's that that there are in Manhattan, say um. There are three hetero millennial. College grad women for every two men, yeah. um, and actually, the the more you hold out as a guy, the better the math gets. It's the whole musical chairs thing, mm-hmm. which we can talk about if you want. Uh-huh. Um, that the, so holding out is a mathematically beneficial strategy for the man, and it's and, and the market actually works the opposite way for the woman. The the longer you wait, the the worse the numbers get. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a guy. If things aren't going great for you at twenty-four, well wait till you're twenty-eight. Uh, you know, it'll it'll just get better.
0: Okay. Musical musical chairs, you said? So, yeah. So um, that makes me think of uh, a, a mutual friend that I won't name who I'm just like he's what like fifty and single and seems to be playing quite well.
1: Well, I think our our, our yeah. mutual friend, um his uh his business would work less well if he was married, I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> um but um where was like, Oh, so, so the Billy. I assume you played musical chairs as a kid, right? Right. All right. So, so as you but may instead rec- of like chairs in this one, the women. So, as you may recall, in the first round of musical chairs, uh, when there's like 25 players and 24 chairs, you basically have to be chasing butterflies not to get a chair, right? Like right. you have to be paying n- not paying attention to lose in the first round of musical chairs. Right. But by the last round, you have a 50 percent chance of losing the game. Um so in other words the the chances of you losing increase with every round of the game. And the dating game is kind of similar in, in, in at least it's similarly difficult for or it, it affects the the gender that's in the majority in the same way. So imagine you start out with a dating pool with 40 women and 30 men, which is essentially what hetero millennial college grads are facing today. Yeah. Once half of those 40 women get married, once 20 of those m- women get married to 20 of the men um we start out with 40 and 30 20 people 20 couples get married the remaining the, the ratio among the remaining singles becomes 20 to 10 once five more of those m- women marry five more of the men it becomes 15, 15 to, to five.
0: 5 i see i can do math yeah so 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 <laughs> so,
1: so the ratio among the singles Over time, moves from one point three to one to two to one to three to one,
0: and then you start looking for property in Alaska,
1: right? And (laughs) and for women, like this is kind of harsh, but like by the end of the game, it's like it's like the farmer's market five minutes before closing, like where everything is all picked over, Um, and, and this is why my advice to women would be like don't delay getting serious about dating like don't think oh i'm gonna focus you know i want to get married i'm gonna focus on career now and when i turn 34 then i'm gonna like think about get started right right i mean but that's a great strategy for a guy i mean the it's gonna be better for you at 34 than it was 24
0: and again to clarify and i hate that i have to keep clarifying but you know uh like you said people were reading the book and missing over all the parts where you Clarify yourself. It's like that is for people who want to eventually get married. Obviously, if you're people who knows like I'm never getting married, then you like disregard that advice. You, you know, do what you want.
1: Right. In a but, sense, but, yeah, but, yeah. But but but, but, I, but I, for, I still yeah. think you know you should, whether you're getting married or not, if you if you care about sex or if you care about about your options dating wise, you know, I think men should know that it's probably going to be easier for you at 34 than 24, um, not because you're going to be so much more debonair at 34, but maybe you will be. uh, But because the math is going to be more favorable. But see now I just
0: like that. I prefer to challenge the men to be more debonair. And I challenge. and I like, I like the point that you make at the end of the book is like, you know, challenging women to expand what they think their preferences are. Right. I I mean, I I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's better to do that than to like try to find the shortcuts. I think they fixed the overall problem with, expanding
1: i i I, idea, I, I think yeah. i think everybody believes they know the kind of person they're compatible with right. but i think what people intellectually believe to be their match may not actually be their match yeah. and so once upon a time if you met somebody at the beach um and you had like different backgrounds or different interests but you clicked it wouldn't matter that that you know she's the wrong height or he went to college or he only went to junior college Mm. if you click you click but in this online dating world in which you're kind of pre-screening you're literally
0: clicking you're you're
1: like you never see the dating profiles of some people who you could click with um so so that's why i'm really emphasizing this idea of expand expand your pool of potential matches because you, you you never know who you're going to it doesn't mean you have to marry a plumber it just means that you should consider it, it the just, possibility it just means don't like don't dismiss of, the idea that that he could be fun yeah. and i you know i i typically get as you can imagine, some pushback from women when I suggest this idea of mixed-collar dating and that they should... That's
0: the thing they push back on? Yeah, I, of, get, I, I get a lot not, of, not for nothing, but for all the things in I, here? I know. I I, that's I mean, the thing well, they no, push back? No, I mean, it's
1: not... When I say pushback, it's not so much from people <laughs> who've read the book. It's from when I do events. Right. I uh, make this suggestion. And, uh, you know, the... The point I like to make is that one, don't assume that just because the guy didn't go to college that he's poor. I mean yeah. given how much Bill I pick, Gates well, well, I mean Bill Gates he's this, <laughs> he's essentially part of I mean I know, I know, I know. yeah, he may not have a degree, but he went to Harvard, you know um, but more to the point is my plumber I mean given how much. Joe. I, I like Joe. No, no. He's actually, <laughs> actually his name is Chaim. Chaim. <laughs> um, <laughs> um he's this Israeli guy. Uh but 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 given how much I paid him last year, I, I guarantee he fucking makes more than I do. Um, you know, and, and there are a lot of like tradesmen out there who make very good livings. Um and I I wouldn't and also they're not saddled with a gazillion dollars in that. college debt. Um so A don't assume that economically they're poor, and B this idea that that they're so uncultured or stupid or I mean I I think we I think everybody would be surprised if they spent more time like I did you spent more time in the middle of the
0: country you'd be surprised like how smart people you didn't think were smart are exactly
1: And, and also I think. Sometimes I think women give too much credit to us working class, to to us college educated guys. Oh, I'm an idiot. I mean, I I, I, did, I am a dumb. Dog. I, I mean, I I did a I did a radio interview with a talk show host in South Carolina a few months ago, and she was single in her 30s, and we were talking about the, my my idea of mixed collar marriages, and she was like, "Oh no, I could never marry a blue collar guy." And I asked her why, and he said, "Well." I like to go to ballet, and I like to see musicals, and he's probably not going to be interested in that. But it's like but you, hold, don't know, hold, you don't hold, know that hold, yet. Hold you on, should... hold on. So I said to her, look, okay, um, I went to an Ivy League college. I have a master's degree, and the absolute last thing in the world I want to do <laughs> yeah. is go to the ballet. Yeah. And, and sorry, New York, but somewhere in my bottom 10 list is seeing a musical. Well, I and, disagree and there. Musicals I, are beautiful. I, I, Um, (laughs) it's not my cup of tea but 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 this idea that 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 we're more cultured or we're classier right right or or i think a lot i don't own a suit you know (laughs) i I, I think i think some of these things that she wants to do whether it's ballet or book club those are things women like to do those aren't necessarily things that guys
0: (laughs) want to do Mm. you're talking to the guy who is a part of the nyu knitting club yeah, so, but no. <laughs> but how many
1: how many guys are there in the NYU Knitting Club?
0: That's that's why I had right. my pick of it, and I slept with the vice president. There that's you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there there are no guys in book club. There should be more guys in book clubs. But if you want, like, th- so many of the women I interviewed for the book had mothers who were chock full of useless advice. Yeah, and it was things like. You know, join a knitting club or join a take a cooking class, and or maybe 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 take go to yoga. Maybe you'll meet a guy. That's a great piece from the book. that yeah. you're
0: about to make the, right. the point.
1: Right. Instead, they should join like. Join a fantasy football league or yeah. something. Yeah. percent
0: Yeah. You want to get laid? Right. You want to like, meet a new dude there, join there, fantasy football? There are football. no guys
1: in yoga. I mean, and the guys who are in yoga are only there because they know there are no guys in yoga. Make a sneaky
0: waiver wire pick and he'll <laughs> he'll trade you he'll trade you that guy for like a nice state out. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely, man. John, this is uh this is great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh the book again is date onomics. Uh it's date dash onomics. Um check him
1: out. Uh, you're on Twitter, you on I'm, the... I'm John Burger1, J O N B I R G E R one on Twitter and JohnBurger.com Datanomics.com You can even friend me on Facebook if you'd like. Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah. A dude. Good dude. Uh, keep a lookout
0: for him. He might be in the city new year, uh, near you. Thanks a lot. Um why don't you say goodbye to everybody, man? Goodbye, everybody. Later. I almost feel bad about how long I've been holding on to this episode. (laughs) I recorded this back in October. Yeah, but there were just so many episodes I backlogged that, you know, just took a while for it to get through the queue. So uh, I'm sorry that I deprived you of John Berger for so long, but I think it was very much well worth the wait. Okay, his book is Datanomics. Go buy it. I definitely recommend it. It's date-anomics. Say hello to both of us on Twitter. We're both very active there. Uh, let us know what you thought about his episode. He's at JohnBurger1. I am at the TheBillyPresida. Use the hashtag Podcast and let us know what you thought. Join your fellow fan whores by liking the Manwhore Podcast fan page on Facebook and subscribing to our subreddit r slash Podcast. Over on Reddit, uh, there are individual comment threads for every episode, I also post links to articles I'm quoted in, uh, exclusive pictures, thoughts that I'm just thinking that day. I also ask y'all questions like who you want to hear on the show. One of my favorite things, though, is waking up in the morning to a new email from a new listener. Send me your comments, your questions, or your booby pictures to manhorpod. at gmail.com. Join our Patreon community and receive fantastic rewards and a shout-out on the show for as little as a dollar per month. Head on over to manwhorepod.com, click the Patreon banner on the side, and support the whore boy that you love oh so much. Now, I hope you all enjoy your weeks and your weekends, or whatever part of the calendar that you're in right now, because hey, you know what, time and calendars and paper, it's all a construct, it's all fake, we're all in a matrix, people, Uh, but you know, when you're in the matrix, stay slutty.